Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. So this week, Pastor Todd continues in the book of Acts by listening to the very first sermon of the Apostle Peter. This sermon brought the Israelites then and us today to a point of decision where we reject, ignore, or follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit is active in this decision if we're listening. So with that, let's turn it over to Pastor Todd with part four of our Acts series, Point of Decision. Morning. Morning. What a privilege it is to be part of something like that. It's, it's pretty neat because I, I know Jason and Neve and their stories fairly well, and I'm getting to know Travis, and I love that as we hear them singing those songs, I know how deeply uh, that affects them and how much that means to them. Um, so if you don't know who I am, my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Pathway Church, and it is a privilege I get to share with you this morning. We're continuing to uh, walk through verse by verse the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And this morning, we have something that's pretty unique, and we get to look at the Apostle Peter. So we read about the Apostle Peter in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we get to get an inside look at his very first sermon, and it was a memorable one. Now, a sermon that is somewhat less memorable is the first sermon I ever preached. And this kind of blows me away, but it was almost 25 years ago. Almost 25 years ago. And here's the thing. It wasn't in a church. Well, technically it was in a church building, but it was not part of a church service. You see, when I was uh, from grade 10 till I graduated high school, I went to a Christian school called New Life Christian Academy. And every May... Joni's excited. Every May, we would gather people from all the different schools under this ACE banner in Southern Ontario and New York State, and they would all join together, and they would do sort of a Christian Olympics, I guess is the best way to put it. It was like maybe three or 400 kids, I think, something like that. And they'd get together, and I say Christian Olympics, sports was a very small part of that, to my chagrin. There wasn't a ton of sports, but if you were into music and drama and some different arts things, this was for you. Like, Jace loved it. Jessica loved it. I was kind of out of place. I tried all the stuff. I just wasn't good at any of it. And then, it was my second last year, and this actually sounds funny, but I was peer pressured into entering the preaching competition. Not a normal high school experience. I did not want to do it at all. But I was peer pressured to do this thing. And I was like, oh no, what have I got myself into? And how it worked, you went in this classroom and there was chairs enough for maybe 15 or 20 people. And then there was three, a panel of three judges right in front of you. And they're ready to just nitpick everything you do. Only one even smiled a bit. And it's because I was kind of friends with them. And the other two, like, it's just like, they would just stare at you, just deadpan. You're like, oh man, I'm so nervous. This is not going to go well. And I just remember it was so rigid. And I remember before it started, I was so nervous. It was like, you know that feeling when you're going on a roller coaster? Maybe it's either a new roller coaster or maybe you're getting older and you haven't been on this roller coaster in 15 years, right? And it's going tick, 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 tick. It's going up and you're like, oh no, oh no. Why am I doing this? This isn't fun. This is not fun. 
That's what I felt like before I was speaking that very first time. And to give you a little idea of what they were looking for, I have a form here. Here here it is. This is my actual form. I actually found it. Biblical content, theme based on scripture, outline, was it well-organized, introduction, it was not well-organized. All these different things, the the delivery, sincerity, warmth, appearance, voice inflections, gestures, come on. (laughs) I just remember like getting the sheet, but some, a miracle happened. A miracle happened that day. I actually won the thing and I was like, what? (laughs) Clearly. So I'm a few years younger than Nathan. So he had graduated. No, he didn't even go to those schools in high school. I found out this morning, but I actually won the thing. And to get just what these were like, the second year I went in with some confidence, like the next, it was my last year of high school. I'm like, that's right. Returning champion coming right up. And I come in and I lost by one mark. But this is the awesome part about it. The guy who won was a friend of mine from Essex, which was one of the other bigger schools. And we compared notes and I lost by one mark. And because multiple judges docked me marks for not standing up straight, I was on crutches. I was on crutches. No mercy. No mercy at all. You know what? That's an odd way to get my start in preaching, but here we are. Here we are. And this morning, we're going to be, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to be talking about Peter's first sermon, which was a little different than mine. Now, context is important, so I want to look at where we've been going in this series and also just the context of where Peter was speaking. So the context where we're going, Pastor Nathan's done the first three weeks. We talked about introducing the Holy Spirit and this promise of the Holy Spirit. And then in the second week, he talked about us making good decisions uh, with God's help when we use scripture and wisdom and prayer. And then last week, we talked about when the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples and some kind of crazy stuff happens. And that is the context of this sermon. So the audience for this, they were in Jerusalem and it actually said there were lots of God-fearing, God-loving Jews from all nations that were there. And they were there because this was actually a holiday. It was a festival. It was Pentecost. So oftentimes, the population of Jerusalem would double or triple in those times. So there was a big audience. So if Peter was nervous, he, he might have felt it. There was a lot of people there. The other part of context that's really important, the timing of this sermon, it is literally right after people These God-fearing Jewish people from all nations are like, what is wrong with those people? The Holy Spirit had just descended, and all of a sudden they're hearing these Galileans just speaking their language and praising God in their language. In fact, they actually ask, are they drunk or something? What is happening? It's morning. None of this makes sense. That is when Peter thought was a good time to stand up and preach his first message. The thing was, Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he had a message for them at that time that was going to change their eternity and in turn our eternity. This message included a pretty bombshell revelation that maybe they didn't see coming and it leaves them and it will leave us this morning at a point of decision that we can't ignore. We're going to talk about this and not so much compare it to mine because Peter's was not judged by a panel of people with a couple friends. There were thousands of people and if they really didn't like his message... He could have been hurt or even killed for this thing. But we're going to be walking through. It's such a great opportunity to be able to dive into this message right at the beginning of the church. So we are going to start uh, 
in uh, Acts 2, starting in verse 22, right here. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Now, if I was a panel of judges or a judge on that panel right now, I'd be like, good start, Peter. Good start. So we're going to establish kind of some sermon notes uh, throughout as we go. So Peter's sermon notes, first thing is Jesus is the son of God. That's a pretty good start for Peter. Not only is Jesus a historical man that had walked and many of the people that were there watching this had met Jesus, but he is the son of God. He was the long-awaited Messiah, and this carries great weight when you are talking to a bunch of Jewish people that will travel far to go to this festival of Pentecost. Not only that, but God had a deliberate plan. This was not an accident, not just a good person that was a little gooder than everyone else. This was someone that was planned by God to be there. And many of the people that had seen him as he's speaking, they're like, yeah, I saw those miracles or I heard about those miracles. Again, context is interesting because it's, they either actually saw them or it was close friends or family, people that they really, really trusted that had seen these things. And through Peter, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus, which I think Nathan mentioned it was last week or the week before the Holy Spirit points to Jesus in this. So Peter's sermon is off to a great start. We're establishing that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's check out the next half a verse. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Peter would have been docked marks for that. (laughs) Point two should not be pointing at thousands of people and said, you killed him, which is the second point. The first point in the sermon is that Jesus is the Son of God and you killed him. And I'm just like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, Peter, Peter, no one was helping him craft this sermon. That doesn't make any sense. You know, you usually try and start with something funny, a moving story, something, but he's accusing them of killing him. The thing is, it was actually sinful people like them that had killed Jesus. Sinful people like you killed Jesus. Sinful people like me killed Jesus. This was the message because, again, there's thousands of people And they must have been confused. They're like, no, none of us actually put the nail through his hands, through his feet. None of us were a part of that. Now, there was probably a number of them that were in the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. That would have been an awkward moment for them. But they didn't physically kill Jesus. So they're like, this doesn't make sense. But Peter does not back down. He says, you killed Jesus. The sin on the inside of you killed Jesus. We'll pick this up in verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, and now this is taken directly from Psalm, Psalm 16, I believe it is. So David wrote these words. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with the joy in your presence. 
And now this is Peter again. And you've got to remember, like, that was Psalm 16. These are God-fearing, God-loving Jews. Most of them knew Psalm 16, or they were at least very familiar with it. But Peter expands. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. What Peter is saying is like, David wasn't writing about him. We all know that David has died, has died, and he is buried here. He was actually prophesying and talking about Jesus. He was talking about Jesus in this verse. And it's so important that we don't lose this, that we don't miss this. He was talking about Jesus. He predicted what would happen to Jesus. This is so important. And at the end there, it talked how they were witnesses to it. Again, Peter, the one speaking, he saw Jesus after he rose from the grave. There was over 500 other people that had seen Jesus. Throughout that crowd, they would have been there. And even if they weren't there, many of them would have known someone or had family that was in that same situation They knew that Jesus had risen. In the next few verses, we talk about where Jesus is. Oh yeah, so the second point, God raised him. So exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And that's kind of what got us here. And has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So he answers the question, well, if Jesus has risen, where is he today? And he says that he is at the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven. And he refers again to David. I think that one's Psalm 110. That David again prophesied where Jesus would be after he risen. But not only that, in Luke 22, Jesus himself predicted that, that he would be sitting at the right hand of God. But there's something else that happened. They talked about the Holy Spirit there. See, again, context is really, really important. It was just weeks before, a couple months before, that Jesus was betrayed. He died on a cross and he rose again. It was just a short period before that this same apostle that's preaching this message... The very same one denied even knowing Jesus three times in one night. He denied even knowing Jesus. He hid from the people asking questions. And now this same man, with the only difference being he is now filled with the Holy Spirit, he is speaking boldly to thousands of people. And he's not just confirming that he's a follower of Jesus, but he is leading them to a point of repentance and doing the same. He is full of boldness full of truth, full of passion. But this happened when he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had breathed new courage into this once disheartened disciple. And he was different. There was something that was so different. And this is where it lands. It brings all the Israelites listening to this message, to this point of decision. They had to make a decision. I think we all understand that in life, in relationships and careers, we reach that point in decision where you have to decide something. I think a good analogy of this is last year, I was going to one of my kids hockey games 
And I pulled out on one of the main routes going out there. And there was a plow and a salter trying to keep me safe. But he was also slowing me down. So I thought I knew a better way. So I took a back road, a really hilly back road. It was snowing really hard that night. And I'm going, going over the different hills. And I come down this one. It's kind of weird. There's a pickup truck there. And the guy's kind of just doesn't look like he's stranded. I kind of slow down a bit to look. He seems fine. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I start gunning it to go up the hill. And I make it like halfway up the hill. And then traction control is starting to happen. I'm starting to slide around. Maybe some of you have been there. Starting to slide around. So I'm closer to the middle of the road. And I'm inching my way up. But I am losing momentum quickly. And I'm probably 80, 85% of the way up that hill. And I see headlights coming the other way. I was like, ah, I'm going to have to pull over. But... I don't have a lot of momentum here. So I start pulling over just a little bit. And that car comes over and goes past me. And it's like, I, unfortunately, when I moved over, I lost the momentum I had. And I stopped. I literally could see over the crest of this large hill. But I couldn't get up. I could not move anymore. And then the car started sliding backwards. This was not good. It starts sliding backwards a little bit. My brakes are on and I start sliding faster and faster until it's going really fast to the point where I'm getting kind of scared. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I was at a point of decision. And I knew I could either try and actively brake and steer and go backwards down that whole thing. But it was a large hill. I knew that was not a good idea. There were small ditches and then trees right on the other side of the road. I also know that truck is at the bottom of this hill. That's bad news. So that was one option. The other was, you know, I could take Carrie Underwood's advice and Jesus take the wheel and just let it all go. But that would have ended badly too. So I didn't do that. So instead I tried to be a bit more aggressive with it. And what I did is I actually slammed on my brake and turned the steering wheel, did a 180. And I actually spun it around, only slid into the ditch a little bit. For any teens, this is not driving advice. I just saw Nathan talk to one of his kids. Uh, This is not driving advice. But I slid a bit in the ditch, but I had so much momentum at that point, I was able to go down. And then I drive down the hill, my hands are like shaking, and the guy in the truck there is like, what an idiot. And I'm like, yep, yeah. <laughs> drive to my game. And I'm like, but it's that point of decision. In that moment, I was so scared, and I knew I had to make a decision. And at this point in the message that Peter preached, he had to do the very same thing, which brings us to the final couple of verses about how they're going to respond. Here it is. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me that hearing this message that started really early With a pointed finger, you killed him. That these people were cut to the heart. And willing to make a change. First of all, the humility of these people is incredible to me. But also, the cut to the heart piece. That was not Peter's doing. There was nothing in Peter's words, as great as they are, that did that. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit both working through Peter and working on them. And working on their hearts. He told them to repent. What does repent mean? Does it just mean be sorry? No, it's, it's not just sorry. It is sincere regret, but it's sincere regret that leads to change. It's changing your thinking. It's why in scripture we, we see about renewing our mind with the Bible and with God's word and the scriptures. 
Because we need to change our mind if we ever want to change our actions. And that's what Peter's saying. We need to repent. We need to change how we think so that we're going to change how we act. And then he says to get baptized. That outward sign of God's forgiveness. Buried with him in his death and raised in newness of life. It was an important step that he didn't say get baptized a year from now or two years. That was the very next thing. And then he said to receive the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that was cutting them to the heart. See, like the Jewish people of that day, I think us this morning, we have a point of decision that we have to make up our mind. You know, because all those sermon points are still the same as they were true for the Israelites. They are true for us. Jesus is still the son of God. And this second point might be hard. You killed him. Might be hard for us to understand. We're like, our great, 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 great grandparents weren't even thought of. I did not kill Jesus. But people just like you, people just like me, killed Jesus. It is the sin that's on, on the inside of us. It's this very sin that Jesus came to this earth to die for. Remember, there was a plan. And until we understand this, we're never going to understand how much we need Jesus. We actually have a sin problem. So I have something. Um, uh, here it is. Sin is sin. And the only cure is Jesus. But if you don't think you're a sinner, then you're never going to think you need Jesus. If you don't think you're a sinner, you're never, ever going to think you need Jesus. And that's why sometimes I have a hard time with Christians that just go, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, without explaining or sitting down to actually talk to them about why they need Jesus. Because Jesus is that only cure. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. It means myself, it means Nathan, it means Peter, it means all the people in that crowd, all the people in this crowd, all the people watching at home, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, it says the wages of sin is death. So not only are we in a spot that we have all fallen short, that we have all sinned, but where that leads to is death. It leads to a place that we don't want to be. And oftentimes what we do We have this sinister, awful, prideful, selfish thing on the inside of us. And we try and sneak our way out of it. And one of the main reasons or main ways we do this is probably with comparison, right? It's like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. At least I don't do what they do. Has anyone ever done that? Won't do raise of hands because we all have. I think we've all been there. But we all have this in us. We all lie. We gossip, we're selfish, we're prideful. All of these things affect us. Sin is sin. And the only cure is Jesus. Doesn't matter if this is your first time at church, if you're a kid here, if you've been attending church for 80 years, it's all the same. But the other thing is, that is also true, is that God raised him. It's why we have hope. It's why Easter is such a great celebration. It's why at Christmas we talk so much about hope. Because, see, there's a sin problem, but there's something else. I read to you uh, Romans 3.23. The very next verse says this, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The second half of Romans 6.23, we talked about the wages of sin is death. But the second half of that is, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
the price was paid for all of us. The price was paid for each and every one of us. And we see evidence of this throughout the scriptures. We see evidence of this through others' testimony. God's still in heaven. Jesus is still at the right hand. The Holy Spirit is still available to each and every one of us. But we have a decision to make. And it's not a really easy one. This info requires a response. This is us at the top of a snowy hill and we're starting to slide backwards. And every single one of us this morning, I know every single one of us is going to make a decision. We're going to do that. As far as I can see, these are kind of the three options that we have. Number one is we can reject this message outright. We can choose it's more important to us to cling to our sin than to cling to a savior. And we can choose this. God doesn't force anyone to become a Christian. Nobody. We get to make that choice this morning. And maybe that is the choice that you'll make. It says in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we can certainly reject the love of God. The second option, as I see it, is the Carrie Underwood method. We can do nothing. We can just say with our life, Jesus, take the wheel, but I'm going to keep doing whatever. We can do nothing. The thing is, when we do nothing... It's really we get the same result as option one, but I would argue it's actually worse. Because when we do nothing, especially if we've been going to church for years and years, and again, I have been here. I have been in this place. If we do nothing, our heart just gets a little bit harder. We, We stop actually hearing the message that is preached to us. We never acknowledge our sin. We never repent. We never get baptized. We never invite the Holy Spirit into our life. But thank God there's a third option. We can acknowledge our sin. We can repent. We can be baptized. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It actually says in Romans 5 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, the whole idea of this that not, is not that we get good enough until we can receive this gift of Jesus. That doesn't even make sense because we'll never get there. The thing is... As we follow Jesus and as we give him our life and our heart, as we give him everything that we have, we will become more holy. We will become more like him. Because after the fact, we're actually going to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be changing our mind on things that helps us repent from the ways that we have walked. Here's the thing. God will never force this on us. He will never force this on us. After service, if you want to choose option three, I would love to chat with you. I'll be hanging out here for five or ten minutes after. I just have a story and then we're going to be doing a song or whatever. But I'll be, I'll be up here. I'd love to pray with you, to talk to you if you would like to do that. But I wanted to tell you a bit about my story when I reached that point of decision. So when I was about seven years old, I don't really remember going to church before then. Like, I'm sure we were there at some points, but I don't really remember going to church. And I remember after we started going to church a little bit, I remember praying this prayer with this really boring guy with a mustache. It was a pretty big mustache. His name was Len or Lenny, or maybe I'm getting confused, Lenny McDonald. I don't know. But this guy prayed with me in Sunday school. And at that point, I prayed a prayer, and I'm sure I was really sincere, but I didn't feel like anything really changed. But the thing is, there's been something all the years that followed that. There was something drawing me to the greatness of God. There was even something as an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old drawing me to scripture, which didn't make sense because I had no clue how to read the Bible. 
But I, would re- I remember reading Matthew 7. For whatever reason, that's where I landed first. But now I look back and I see that was the Holy Spirit. See, nobody was necessarily showing me ways. I would go to church and do different things. But you could sit. There was this thing drawing me. And I, I don't even know how to explain it. God was chasing me. God was chasing me in those days. And I know there was a song released, I think when I was like a kid or a teenager, I'm not sure exactly. It was called, I Found Jesus. That's not at all the situation. That's not at all the situation. He has been chasing us all along. I can assure you, maybe you've been wondering where he is, but he's not playing hide and go seek with you. He is right there. In fact, he's chasing you. And and Neve, who was up here singing earlier, um, she did, a, it was kind of like a promotional thing for Starting Point, which is New Believers class or group we did a couple of years ago. And as I was preparing for this this week, I was reminded of a sentence that she said in that. And I actually went back to the raw video and I watched it to make sure I got it right. And she said this, looking back now, I see that God was always leading me to where I am today. But I only see it now. But I only see it now. It's not that Neve found Jesus. She was able to open up her eyes and notice that this Jesus had been following her. So after this decision that I made, I went through elementary school, like the last few years of elementary school. Uh, like, didn't do anything crazy bad or anything, but I was certainly more of a person who went to church than a Christian. Um, I remember I endured church services. And the church I was at, they're pretty long. Like, you can only doodle so long on an offering envelope. And I honestly just endured them. I went to youth group because my parents made me go to youth group. And I didn't enjoy it until they brought the uh, the pop and chips out. Like, there was nothing there for me. I was just like, I don't know. But then high school started and things started getting weird, right? We've been there. (laughs) Started getting weird. Some of those friends you've counted on your whole life start just going, like, way that way. And other friends, maybe they don't go way over, but they start partying. and, And their priorities are different than yours. You know, I, I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian. But I can remember that point of decision. I remember sitting at home and thinking, I can't keep going on just being the Jesus take the wheel method of doing nothing. I had to make a decision. I felt like I was feeling pressure from my friends to go one way. And this other pressure, I don't know if that's the right word, but from the church and maybe my parents to go another way. And I honestly can remember the exact day. I was in grade nine. It was January 1995. I was getting ready to go back to school after Christmas break. I was sitting on a heat vent because that's a really awesome thing to do in the morning. And on a really cold January day, I'm sitting on a heat vent. I think it was behind like a rocking chair or something like that. And I remember these things are just going through my head. And I recognized that I had to choose. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow a different way? See, I... I simply couldn't just ignore this question anymore. I could choose to reject God at this point, but I knew that I didn't have anything to offer if I did that. I recognized that I wasn't enough. In fact, I think I was recognizing the sin in me, that very same thing that killed Jesus. And I needed him. I knew that my efforts to be a good kid were inadequate. They weren't enough because I had a sin problem. 
I didn't find Jesus. I simply opened my eyes and caught a glimpse of a Savior that had lovingly been chasing me my entire life. I'm so thankful for that decision I've made. It hasn't all been easy. There's been some really rough times and I have fallen away and made some big mistakes and some lots and lots of little mistakes, but I've been able to do it with hope and peace and forgiveness and joy that that message has. Which brings me to this morning and asking you. I think this morning is a point of decision for people in this place. Whether this is your first time ever attending or watching online, watching a church service, or you have been going to these types of services for 80 years, I think we're all the same. We need to make a decision. God is not hiding from any of us. He's been chasing us our entire lives. See, all that's remaining from that first sermon that I preached 25 years ago is a crinkled piece of paper with some arbitrary numbers on them. They don't matter. But why it means something to me is because they represent three and a half years after I made that decision, sitting on my floor, deciding I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And Peter's sermon leaves us with a decision to make. If we choose wisely, we will have forgiveness of sins, life eternal, and a promised helper. But we have to remember before we ever chose him, he chose us a really long time ago. And this morning, I want to invite each and every person here to surrender. Surrender your way of life, way of thinking, to become a Jesus follower. If that's something you've never done, or maybe you did at one point and have fallen away. So again, I'm just going to pray just to finish uh, this part of the service. And then Jace is going to be singing. And again, I'll be up here for five or ten minutes after. If you want to come talk to me, we'd love to chat with you. Maybe you want to make a decision for the first time or maybe the first time in a while. Maybe you want to get baptized. This is a perfect opportunity. We have baptisms next weekend. So I would love to talk to you. If baptism is something that you know and decided right just in the last half hour that you want to do, or maybe you've been putting it off for a really long time, maybe this is your time. Father God, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that cuts us to the heart, Father, that exposes what's inside of us, God. And Father, I just thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me and all the other me's that are listening to this. Thank you for offering a way to forgive, for us to have forgiveness, to have peace, to be right with you, Father. And I just pray that anyone right now that the battle's going on in the head, not knowing what to do, Father, that they would recognize a savior that has been lovingly chasing them and leading them and guiding them their whole lives, even if they didn't notice it, God. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness to be even when we take long time to get where you are, God. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.